Hey, who am I? You guys look good. Oh, you don't just look good, you guys sound good. I don't know about the other campuses, but Littleton is hot right now, right? That's my impression of my favorite human being on the planet, and I mean that with all my heart. So while we're energetic, let's just make some noise right now and welcome every single one of our campuses. Welcome, Littleton. Make some noise for yourselves right now. Everybody over at Lakewood, we love you. All the wonderful people at Arvada and Jordan McCaslin, love you guys across the pond at Brussels. Love you guys. And last but not least, loud and proud for the men and women at both of our God Behind Bars campuses. We love you so much. So much. I hope you feel a hug through the screen right now because it's real. Um, they say this, that like, scientists figured out, I'm not sure how they figured this out, but they say that one in every three people is like incredibly attractive. And so turn to the person on your left. Now turn to the person on your right and just peer into their soul, man. Beauty is deeper than the skin, church. We know this. And now, now, go, now go like this, go, huh, I guess it's me. <laughs> that's right, that's right. You guys, welcome to church. My name is Doug Weckenman. If I don't know you, I actually moved to Austin, Texas about four months ago to start a Red Rocks location in Austin. It's been amazing. So honored to get to share the unconditional, unstoppable love of Jesus Christ with the amazing people in Texas through the DNA and culture of Red Rocks Church. It's been, it's, been, it's been every ingredient that makes a story good so far. It's been fun. It's been hard. It's been challenging. It's been rich and everything in between. I don't know if, you, uh, uh, if you're office fans. Do we have office fans uh, at the church? Today, I just pray to God that you're an office fan for your sake, but there's a character. His name's Andy Bernard. He's more than a character. He's real in my heart, guys, and the last thing Andy Bernard ever says in the series finale, he does an interview with tears in his eyes. He looks at the camera, and he says, I wish there was a way to know that you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. And then he says, somebody should write a song about that. I guess I'm going to start crying right now. But that's what we've been talking about in Austin. So can we make some noise for Red Rocks Austin for the very first time? My friends and family back there, love you guys. Remember, you are in the good old days right now. We are living in the good old days right now. Do not wish away small beginnings because oftentimes small beginnings come with big stories that you celebrate and tell for a long, long, long time. And so thank you for your prayers. I covet them because they actually work and we feel them. So please keep praying for us. That's my Austin update. Update number two, I'm just full of updates. Two months ago, I became a dad, guys. This is my son, Will, AKA Will the Thrill, came into the world with that head of hair. He's almost to a man bun or a baby bun. I don't know if there's a correct term for it or not, but Oh, he's the best, man. I just, we can just leave that up if we, I actually no, because I feel like I just need to apologize for my thighs in that picture. I'm sorry about that. I, not even the, not even the creative team with Photoshop could, could fix that. So that's, that's because the series is Let There Be Light, right? Thighs so bright that they light up the night. That's our title for tonight. If you're taking notes, it's not really. You could make it that if you wanted to, but... I'm um, so grateful to be here, man. This, this, is, this always will be a home. And um, I'm so grateful uh, to have a pastor and boss and, more importantly, a friend like Sean. Um, 
You'll notice a lot of times his platform is full of other people, and that's not because he could not come out here and, and preach a home run sermon week after week. He could. He just, he just happens to believe in, in building other people just like he believes in building stories, and I'm so grateful for that. We're, we're in good hands. We've got a good pastor here, don't we? We love him. I love him, man. Him and his wife and his kids have been so good to me and my family, and, and uh, let's move on or else we're just going to do this stuff all day, and there's nothing wrong with that, but we should talk about the Bible. If you have your Bible, go to Romans chapter 12. This is a very famous passage of scripture. We're just going to do two verses because it's so thick and so rich that two verses is all we need, okay? This is Paul writing to the Romans, little theologians. Look at us, right? Here we go. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, pause right there. You can leave it up. What's the therefore, therefore, right? That's what you should always ask yourself when you see that word, especially to start a new chapter. Paul just spent 11 chapters in Romans explaining the gospel, all right, explaining the gospel of Jesus. And so he's writing this to people who already know the gospel, right? God does not save you and leave you. This is not only about heaven forever. It's about heaven invading earth in the here and now in our lives. And this is Paul giving us some instructions as Christians as to how to let that happen. Okay, so therefore, because of Romans 1 through 11, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Everything you've got, give it to God, holy and pleasing to him. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age. Other translations will say, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, right? I, like, I don't, know, um, I, if you're, I don't know if you know this, but the world has patterns. And maybe if you're like me, you've experienced a lot of them and know firsthand that a lot of them don't, are, are, are not working for people, right? And so Paul is saying, hey, don't be conformed, but rather be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, because everything out here in life that you experience, you experience through the lens right here, the six inches between your ears, your mind, your imagination, okay? And it's possible, apparently, to change the way that you think, or else Paul would not challenge us to change the way that we think, right? And it is such a common story in the church to, to be on your way to heaven, right? Saved, salvation, the blood of Jesus, and all of that, yet still in the here and now, live something less than heaven on earth because you never renewed your mind and you were never transformed with Jesus. It's possible, it's common, but it's not God's plan. Renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, the, what, the, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So I've heard it said, you cannot have a positive life with a negative mind, a negative imagination, right? Like your imagination is this wonderful gift that you were given um, by God, like as a kid, right? And your imagination, it, it, it stirs up wonder and awe in your heart, right? For God and his creation, right? It, it, it helps you create the best case scenarios, right? It, um, it allows you to worship something bigger than yourself easily, whether you would call it that or not, right? It makes life bright and playful. But then at some point, something happens. And it's interesting what happens up here to us as life happens out here to us, you know? And it's kind of like your imagination can at some point just kind of turn on you and worshiping turns into worrying, 
right? And, and when you, you used to make best case scenarios and now you just create the worst case scenarios over everything, right? And it used to be bright and playful that life did and now it's just everything's serious and stressful, right? And like you just become so used to the fact that the world is broken and fallen and you see it in people around you and you see it in yourself and then all of a sudden this, this unconditional acceptance that as a kid you had no trouble receiving now turns into to shame. And so it would seem to me that when it comes to your thought life, there's a lot at stake here and a lot possible here. They say that we're living in the age of anxiety. I don't know who they is, but I think they're right. Like, I think worry is a current pattern of the world. But just because it's a pattern of the world does not mean we have to be conformed to it. In fact, our challenge from Paul is to rather be transformed from that pattern of the world by the renewing of your mind because what we're learning in this series is God is a God of light. Let there be light. And I mean that on the macro scale as in God is, is breathing stars out of his mouth and hanging galaxies across the universe, but also on the micro scale in your mind. And so if you're taking notes, we're going to call the real title for this message is let there be light in your imagination. Let there be light in your imagination. And so God, I, I simply just say this. Speak to us today, because we're listening. Teach us something new about your son, and shut away distractions, God, and give us the gift of presence in whatever seat we happen to find ourselves in right now. We love you, and we pray this in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. amen. All right, what's the part of God's creation that stirs your heart, your imagination the most, right? Is it the mountains? Probably a strong contingency for the mountains since this is Denver, right? Is it, is it the changing seasons? In Austin right now, we just dipped below 70, so everybody's walking around with scarves and Uggs and... And, and horses, horses, or horses, okay, or the ocean. It's the ocean for me. Or maybe it's the NFL and football season for you or standing beneath the stars, you know what I mean? For me, it, it always has been and always will be the ocean. I stand in front of the ocean and my heart just worships easily. My heart just goes into this place where my imagination is just in awe and that wonder about this thing that is in front of me. And uh, I love the ocean so much. In fact, like uh, a few years ago, um, I, I studied in Australia uh, and near a, a famous surf beach called Bondi Beach. All right. It's a very, very beautiful beach because and, and very dangerous beach at the same time because of the, the, the ocean and the beach and the cliffs and the big waves and the sharp rocks. That's why it's beautiful. That's also why it's dangerous, okay? And at Bondi Beach, when you go to it, what you're supposed to do is swim in between the flags that the lifeguards will set up for you on the beach, okay? Because that's where it's safe to swim. Because outside, they're not just trying to rob fun from you. Outside of the flags are dangerous and scary things like sharks and like riptides, right? Well, I'm thinking, I'm in college, man. And I'm a part-time lifeguard in my life at this point in my life, okay? I'm like, guarding lives is not just what I do, it's who I am, at least part-time. And I can swim wherever I want to swim. That's for the normal people. I'm not normal. And me and my brand new roommate, Dan, thought the exact same thing. Needless to say, we disobeyed the rules and swam outside of the flags. And then 30 seconds later, we're being swept out to sea. Swept out to sea, okay? And, and, and here's, a, here's a little pointer for you. Um, if you ever do get caught in a riptide, um, 
Do not fight the ocean because the ocean will win and you will die. And that's just science. That's not my opinion, all right? All you're supposed to do is gently float with the riptide because eventually it's going to dump you off and then you can gently float back into shore and then you're safe, okay? And you're like, maybe you're rolling your eyes at that right now. I would have killed for that information a few years ago because I did not know it, which is why I fought the ocean and uh, which is why I lost, okay? It's why I fought the ocean and I lost. It was in a, a backpack. It was in a, a riptide called Backpacker's Rip. And they named it that because multiple times a year, it claims the lives of arrogant tourists who think that they're smarter and stronger than the ocean because back home, they happen to be part-time lifeguards at a pool where the deep end is five feet, okay? So, I, like, so I'm in the riptide with Dan and I, like, I don't know if you've ever had that moment in your life where you're like, I think this might be it. I think this is it for me. This was it from me, okay? And you're like, dude, you're a preacher. You all exaggerate your stories. That's fair, but this is not an exaggeration. I genuinely thought, okay, this is it for me. And I remember looking at Dan. He's doing worse than me. And I'm like, Dan, for whatever it's worth, man, I think we could have been great friends, you know? And, and so as I'm kind of seeing the light, what I, like, I swear, what I, th- I, I thought I saw Jesus Christ coming on the clouds of heaven to get me, but it was actually a lifeguard coming over the waves on a giant surfboard. The lifeguard, his name was Chapo, and he came into the water to save me, which he did. And so I, I'm super grateful for that because I'm now here and I'm alive, but my confidence still is not quite there, all right, because I have to stand in front of you as a fully grown man, a 30-year-old dad, okay, and admit to you that I have been saved from the ocean by a cool, tan Australian lifeguard by the name of Chapo, okay? I now have two heroes in my life, Jesus and Chapo, both of whom saved me when I was powerless to save myself, and that'll preach, but that's not even the metaphor from this story that we're using. I just thought of that. So it gets worse, believe it or not. <laughs> you, like, you're like, how does it get worse? Well, he drops me off like on those scary cliffs and the rocks on the side, like, and I climb out of the water that way. And as I'm making the walk of shame back to the beach, there's just a huge crowd of people on the beach applauding me and a camera crew filming the entire thing because apparently in Australia on Bondi Beach, there's a very famous Baywatch-esque reality TV show called Bondi rescue that's famous in Australia and now the rest of the world because it's now on Netflix and long story short two weeks later I was featured on Bondi Rescue as the stupid American tourist who had to be saved because he couldn't read a sign that was me that was me not the greatest representative for us in Down Under guys and I'm sorry for that but do you believe me do you believe me well, just in case you don't, here you go. Watch this. Solid swell has created a powerful rip at the south end. Two swimmers have unwittingly launched themselves straight into it. One of them decided to swim towards the bergs. He's going to be in trouble, I think. The swimmers stand no chance against the torrent. You're going to have to get down there now. You're going to have to go in. H and Chapo have to respond from the other end of the beach. He's um, dropping. H and Chapo race to South Bondi where two swimmers are being swept out in a rip. Two of them right at the back. With every second, they are dragged further out. 
H and Chapo use the rip as an express route out to the swimmers. Hey, get on behind me. Collecting the two men is one thing. The challenge is getting them safely to shore. Chapo still makes no headway against the rip. Chapo might be losing ground, but H's unorthodox manoeuvre looks alarmingly dangerous. Then, like magic, the swimmer is delivered to safety. As Chapo struggles, the old sea dog takes command. All the way from Colorado, Daniel and Doug didn't expect to be rock climbing at Bondi. All right. You all right? Yeah, man, thanks. All right. Up the rock. Hey, our pleasure, mate. Highly unorthodox, but highly effective. Old sea dog knew exactly where to go. I'm over there struggling the rip. Before we knew it, we were just dragged all the way out here. And then a surfer came and said, you OK? And I was being bashful. And I don't know where he was, but I couldn't get up. I'm glad he came and got me. I really like, am. if you guys want a ride, we'll give you a ride. If not, we're, we're leaving you here. So I was like, I'll take a ride in. I'm glad they got me. <laughs> me too. But the American visitors aren't the only ones who've learned a thing or two about Bondi. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for applauding what my mom hates. Hates. <laughs> I received that, but the judgment is palatable in this room, just to let you know. I'm a, guys, I'm not proud of that. No, that's not true. I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think God designed his creation to elicit a response in your imagination. And if that were not true, it would not have rhymed so well. I think God designed creation to elicit a response in your imagination. And here's the thing. I now know a little bit more um, about just how much the ocean is worthy of my wonder and my awe, right? Like I now stand, or like the mountains or the stars or whatever, like I now stand in front of the ocean now with a tinge of fear in my heart as to how powerful and majestic this thing in front of me is, right? Like, and I guess where, where I'm going with this is like, if that's true about the ocean or about the mountains, then what does that say about the one who tells oceans and mountains what to do, right? What does that say about the one who tells them what to do? Like in Luke chapter 8, Jesus literally tells a storm to stop being a storm, and the storm knocks it off and says, okay, sorry, Jesus. And like his disciples are like, who the heck is this guy that even the winds and the rains do exactly what he says, right? Like Psalm 33 says, God puts the ocean, like the waters of the deep, the Marianas Trench into jars just that easily, right? That's why in Genesis chapter 15, he told Abraham, get out of your tent and go look up at the stars because I designed my creation to elicit a response in your imagination your imagination, your gift given to you by God, a tool meant to invoke worship. But how often do I use it now to worry instead of worship? 
pretty often. You know, I'm thinking like even my new son, Will, like he'll start crying and then 15 minutes later, he's still crying and I'll start panicking. Like, what's wrong with him? Why is he still crying? Like, like should we call the, the doctor? Should we go to the ER? God, why did you even put me in charge of like a kid? This is your fault. Like, and then, and then Will just burps because he had gas and now he's fine because he's a baby, right? But like, that's where my imagination immediately goes. And that's like a, a, a cute example of like an unrenewed mind. But most examples, are not as cute as that, you know? Like, I'll leave any social function, and my drive home will consist of me worrying about everything that I said and what people thought about it, not realizing that they're not thinking about it because they're doing the same thing that I'm doing, right? But that's where, that's where I go, right? Like, one person gives you a weird look. One person Comment something that, that you don't agree with, right? Like one person cuts you off, one moment, one situation, and then all of a sudden, imagination blasts off into, into worry world. And, and here's the thing, like we don't have control over our emotions, but Paul is saying you do have authority over your thoughts, and your thoughts determine your emotions, I'm preaching to me here, okay? Philippians 4 would basically say, you will feel what you think. Cultivate a healthy thought life, and the benefit you will reap is experiencing some form of heaven on earth in the here and now, regardless of your external circumstances, because your external circumstances are experienced here anyways, right? The divine designer divinely designed your brain in an amazing way, complete with something called the frontal lobe of your brain. It's right, right behind your eyes. And this is the part of your brain that actually has the ability to sort of stand outside of the rest of your mind and observe what's happening in the rest of your mind. This is why you can think about what you think about. Think about that, right? Like, in my opinion, this is science kind of catching up with God and explaining how it's actually possible to take rogue or negative thoughts captive, right? Like, like that's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Like, I always thought that was a cute, ethereal, kind of detached verse that looks good in a coffee mug but hard to apply. But, but science is showing, like, no, that's actually real and that's actually possible. You have an awareness you have an awareness of your imagination, kind of like, it's kind of like a flashlight. Like if you, if you imagine this like, like, like a dark room inside of your mind and all you have to do is shine a light on something and suddenly you're aware of it and suddenly when anything that's in the darkness comes to light, it loses the majority of its power, right? It's something as simple as an awareness. You turn the lights on like when you're a kid, like, you, like there's a monster in your closet and that monster actually has some kind of power over you until you just shine the light and become aware that there's actually nothing there. And so, like, with this message, I, like, when I was praying about, man, what to, what to speak on, I really, I did not want to, I did not want to practice what I preached. I really wanted to preach something that I've been practicing, okay? This is, because this is my weakness, you guys. They say, preach from your weaknesses, you'll never run out of things to say, and people relate way more with those than they do your strengths anyways, right? And so this is mine, and this is my 2018 thought log. 
my journey of being transformed by the renewing of my mind, right? I've been thinking about what I think about, and I've been, I've been writing it down in here, getting curious as to, man, why do I respond that way always when somebody says something like that, or somebody cuts me off and does that, or that happens at a social setting? Like, why do I immediately jump to that worst-case scenario? Like, why, does, why, does, why do I always think of that specific memory? Why did that that one sentence that that one person said a decade ago, why does that still haunt me? Like, and like, oh, why, like, so this triggers that, and that triggers this, and I'm getting curious about what's going on up here, and I'm, I'm fine, like, I've always been, like, afraid to look because of shame about what I'm going to find, because I know there's not a lot of, of great stuff going on up there. There's some, but I'm like, God, I don't really want to do this journey because I don't want to see it, but there's something so powerful about just looking with God and thinking about what you think about. Because like, I, 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 wanna, I wanna challenge you to get serious in whatever way that looks like for you because just like me, you don't naturally think about 98% of the things you think about. You just live with them and suffer oftentimes unnecessarily, right? But would you believe me if I told you it's not just possible but actually God's will for you to be cozy in your own mind. How good does that sound? Cozy in your own reality, in your own imagination. Like that, that could be what God wants for your life, right? And I think there comes a point on every Christian's faith journey where they, they actually start to believe Jesus when he said, I did not give you a spirit of fear. I gave you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And you start to want what's already been given to you freely, right? What's already been paid for by the blood of Jesus. And you say, okay, okay, God, I want this. I want this. Let's look. Let's renew my mind. And let's get honest about what we see. And let's be kind. God's kind to you. Way more easy on you than you are. Way more kind to you than the shame that you feel. And then hand in hand with your creator, who also made the universe, you look, right? You look. And that's what I, I've been looking and, and you start to see like, oh man, there's that thought pattern. I do have that thought pattern. That's why I constantly feel like I need to perform or achieve or accomplish. That's why I can't rest for one day a week trusting that you've got everything under control because I need to accomplish something, right? That's why I feel unworthy or fill, what, fill in the blank for whatever it is for you. That's why my first natural reaction to everything is pessimistic, right? These thought patterns that God is going, they're there but I kind of want to rewrite them, you know? I kind of like, okay, God, that's where, that's where I buried that memory. That thing that person said, that to this day, I have dedicated my life to proving that wrong because I never processed it out. I just buried it and I suffer from it subconsciously. Or that, that memory of that that incident when I was little, where I was too young to really understand what was going on, and so I didn't know how to handle it. I couldn't process something like that, and so I just, I buried it, right? And God's going, man, you're going to suffer either subconsciously like you have been, or we can process it together. And yeah, that involves pain, but if you'll follow my lead through renewing your mind, we can process it until we process it gone. And that's I don't want you carrying that around, buddy. 
And like, and it's okay to, to confess something to somebody. It's okay. Like, I, I think we're finally past the, the, the moment in history, whenever that was, where counseling was, was taboo and there was a stigma attached to it. I stand in front of you as a pastor who has two counselors. It's like the best part of my month to get to go and just talk about what I've been thinking about with somebody, right? And God's saying, hey, whatever process you need to go through, it's worth it on this journey of renewing your mind. Like, oh, that's where, oh, when my parents got divorced and I thought it was my fault, I buried it there. The anger I felt, okay, I buried it there. And God's saying, how about we get that out of here? Because... Because it's been haunting you and weighing you down, and that's not my will for your life. You don't have to wait to heaven one day to experience freedom from that. And your parents were just as broken as you are, and they did the best they could with what they were given. How about we let them off the hook, and simultaneously, you let you off the hook, you know? And like, oh, there's my, okay, those are the secret addictions and the habitual sin patterns that, that nobody really knows about, right? But that we all have. And God, I, 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 I don't really want God to see that, right? Even though he knows everything, even though there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and, and finally to, like, to shine a light on something like that with God and say, Say, God, this is my struggle, and it has been for years, and you know it, and I hate it, but I feel like you're so mad at me for it. I feel so much shame over it, but you shine a light, and then you can hear your heavenly Father say, hey, you're way harder on you about that than I am, because you think that sin keeps my son from you, but really, it's the shame you feel that keeps you from my son, and I'd prefer if we just, if we took care of that. I'd prefer if we got rid of the shame so that you could heal from something because whatever that addiction is, that's not the actual problem. That's a symptom anyways. It's like the, the, the deepest parts of who you are shooting up a signal flare saying, hey, there's something down here that needs to be healed. There's something down here that needs to be dealt with or processed or dislodged that's causing you to do that in the first place. And if we can get there, then cozy in your own reality might be possible for us, or even like like fears, we we keep fears and and uh, like and that's real. I get it. Like I was I was on the plane flying from Austin to here um, just a few hours ago, and I remembered a story from when I was seven. Um, because as a kid, I had I had bad dreams all the time, and I would pray for like fifteen minutes a night before falling asleep. Like God, please don't let me have a bad dream tonight. Please don't let me have a bad dream tonight. And one night, I had a horrible nightmare, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and my door was shut. And for some reason, um, I just I went and opened my door just a little bit, and then fell back asleep. Woke up, and then I didn't have a bad dream, and my Seven-year-old mind concluded, man, if I, I need to open my door the perfect amount every night before I fall asleep and I won't have a bad dream tonight. And, and like, I'd lay there for hours checking that stupid door like 50 times to see if it was in the right place, so afraid to fall asleep. And then one night, my dad heard me getting out of bed uh, like 50 times and came into my room and, and sat down on my bed with me and said, son, like, what's going on? Like, what, what, what's wrong? And he knew I had bad dreams but didn't know about the door thing because I was, I was too embarrassed to explain it out loud because oftentimes those things sound crazy when you actually say them. But up here, it makes all the sense in the world, not just when you're seven, but your whole life. And I, finally, I told my dad everything, and, and he did not laugh, which meant so much to me. And he did not call me crazy. He, 
he looked at me and he said, like, he's like, you know what, buddy? I feel that stuff all the time, too. Like, if my wallet is not the right orientation on my dresser, like, someone's going to break into the house in the middle of the night. But it's a stupid door. And it has zero, it's wood. That's all it is. And, and, and we got to the point where me and my dad were, were laughing about it that night. And you know what? I had bad dreams every once in a while from that point on. But I never again got out of my bed to go check the stupid door to make sure I opened it the right amount. Like, I, like something broke right there. There was some kind of freedom right there because I shined a light on something. Because there's something about looking at what you're afraid of with dad next to you. There's just something about that. Like, I imagine myself one day, uh, uh, like, finally, when I cross from this side of eternity to the, to the next, right? I'll one day, I'll finally be standing in front of Jesus Christ, my King, the Alpha, the Omega, the creator of, of the universe. I'll finally be like, there he is, right there. And I imagine this happening. I just imagine Jesus in that moment holding up in his left hand just everything that I ever feared or worried about in my entire, like the devil himself holding it up in front of me to see it for what it really is behind all the, the smoke and the mirrors and the Wizard of Oz effects. And it's going to be like this, I picture like just like this, this, this creature that's just pathetic and pitiable. You can't help but just feel sorry for it. And I'm going to see my king, Jesus Christ, holding that. And I'm going to think in that moment, that is what I was so afraid of for my entire life. That is what whispered so many lies into my ear that I believe that's what caused me so many nights and hours of deep and peaceful sleep. Like, and I'll feel so much peace in that moment and a release. But I want, I want to experience that now. And I got to think Paul is challenging us. Hey, be transformed now by the renewing of your mind because there's a lot going on up here that's not my will. There's a lot going on that I want to rewrite in your mind. And it's a possible it's possible for you to be cozy in your own reality. And it's a common story in the church to be saved, heaven forever, yet live, live in either hell on earth or something way below heaven on earth in the here and now because you never renewed your mind. And it starts just by simply looking. And I want to challenge you. Like, what if the rest of 2018 marked the season for you and God, you and dad, just to, to look together and be honest about what you find. Get curious about why I think that or why I respond that way always or why that memory keeps popping up. Like, get curious about it with God and be kind to yourself about what you're going to find because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We shine a light in our imagination because your imagination used to be playful and now it's stressed out. And as a pastor, I'm just telling you, your mind needs a day at the spa. Your mind needs like a week at the spa, like a year at the spa. How good does that sound, right? Like, like you have been given a spirit of a sound mind and it is on us to receive it or not, right? If you're not enjoying God, what about the tool he has given you to enjoy him, your imagination? If you're not enjoying him, that's what you were put on this planet to do. If that's you, then there's a certain amount of renewing in your mind that needs to take place. It's time for transformation by the renewing of our minds. And I'll, I'll finish here. And Ben, you guys can come back out. C.S. Lewis wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. You guys, like, you know this. You're like, yeah, duh. Um, 
The dedication at the beginning of that, of that whole series is him dedicating it to his goddaughter, Lucy. Um, and, and here's what he says, and this is, this is a brilliant quote, like all Lewis quotes are. He says, my dear Lucy, I wrote this story for you. But when I began it, I had not realized that girls grow quicker than books. As a result, you are already too old for fairy tales, and by the time it's printed and bound, you will be older still. But someday you will be old enough to start reading fairy tales again. You can then take it down from some upper shelf, dust it, and tell me what you think of it. I shall probably be too deaf to hear and too old to understand a word you say, but I shall still be your affectionate godfather, C.S. Lewis. And it's just interesting to me what happens to us up here as life happens to us out there. So there's another part of your brain, and I forgot to Google what it was called, but I know that this is true. It's the part of your brain that keeps you from doing dumb things or getting hurt. And in males, it doesn't fully develop until like your late 20s, right? Or your 60s, or if it ever develops, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. All I know is at the time of my ocean fiasco, I did not have it. I'm positive about that. I, but here, I, I really do think that I, I have it at least to an extent now because since that moment, I have done less and less and less stuff like that. And that's good. It's responsible. It's survival, right? It's mature, maturity. But you know what I've been doing a lot more of since then that I never did back then? is worry about absolutely everything and create the worst case scenario and situation about absolutely everything and not in like a like a panic attack and anxiety kind of way but that's real that's real some of us experience that but in the way that is the pattern of this world that all of us can relate to like this this low grade this low grade kind of nagging dull humming of worry that you carry with you constantly that it just kind of comes becomes a part of who you are and subtly gets louder every Every single year, you know, and robs your, the brightness of life away because you were supposed to worship and now you just worry, right? And, and I'm thinking like, man, I wonder if what I thought was maturity is actually some form of, of immaturity. Because Lazarus from, from John 8, he's the guy who died. And then four days later, Jesus brought him back from the dead. I'm like, Lazarus, from that moment on, you think he ever worried about anything for the rest of his life? Like, oh, spiders? Yeah, I've been dead. You know? Oh, the fear of the unknown? The fear of, of the future? The fear of dying? Yeah, I've died already. And guess what? God is better than you ever dared imagine this side of eternity. You think I lose sleep over anything anymore? Like I was talking to my dad just a couple weeks ago because he used to worry all the time and, and he doesn't anymore. And I said, Dad, help me. How did you do that? And he said, you know, as I've gotten older, I just, I realized I haven't seen a single benefit from any bit of worrying that I've ever done in my life. And I'm just I'm like, man, I want to learn that now, you know? I want to learn that now. And I wonder if renewing your mind is, is finally outsmarting what you thought you originally had outsmarted. And so I, I was like, okay, let me pretend to be C.S. Lewis here. And just, just bear with me here. But I was like, if God wrote us a dedication to us for the story of life that he is authoring and writing every single one of us into, what would it be in Lewis style? And here's what I came up with. 
I'm like imagining God dedicating this life to me and saying this, my dear child, I wrote you into my creation and I gave you a mind and an imagination to enjoy it, knowing that passing birthdays would steal away its brightness. Soon you'll have aged just enough to outsmart the childlike magic of life. However, my hope is that one day you'll be old enough again to understand the deeper magic and it will recapture your imagination. And believe me, when that day comes, you and I together will declare, let there be light in your mind. For just as you are skilled in the art of worrying, you will be even better still at worshiping. For it is your same imagination, only with light shining on it once again. As I am with you now, so I am waiting for you then to show you the bright colors of life again, your Father in heaven. It is possible to be on your way to heaven and yet, and, and yet never fully experience a renewed mind and the fullness of heaven on earth in the here and now, but it, it, it's not God's plan. Eternity with him started the moment you received Jesus into your heart, not the moment you take your last breath on this planet. And, and if, you, if you're great at worrying, you're gonna be great at worshiping. It's the same imagination. It's just now you're taking it back to be used for what it was originally given to you to be used for. God wants to shine a light in your mind and go on a journey, but it's a journey you do with him. And only with your permission can he do it. One thought pattern at a time, one memory, one groove, one habit, one circumstance at a time. I wanna challenge you, Red Rocks Church, start thinking about what you think about. Your brain was designed to be able to do that. Do not suffer unnecessarily from thoughts that you just live with when they could be processed out just by shining a light on something with dad next to you. And so we're gonna stay seated uh, just for the first half of this song. and. Um, just let the words wash over your mind and your imagination, wide-eyed and mystified. Let us be just like little kids staring at the beauty of our king, the glory of our dad in heaven. God, we love you so much. You said, let there be light. I don't know how many years ago and when you did, the universe exploded out of your mouth in every single direction and to this day is still doing it. And I pray for every person listening to this right now, God, that you would again say, let there be light in their imaginations, in their minds, in their thought lives. Teach us how to worship again instead of worry. We love you and we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>